I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with another installment of The Showroom, our interview series with amazing creatives from across the country in partnership with Walker Zanger. This week's episode features Birmingham, Alabama-based designer Tammy Connor. One of the reasons I love the following conversation as much as I do is because I have the opportunity to speak with design talent from across the country, in areas most don't even consider when speaking about incredible, world-class interior design. I would argue that Alabama is one of them. So the opportunity to explore and shatter preconceived ideas about creative talent and geographical location is, it's just wonderful to me. The next thing you should know, Tammy Connor is a highly successful American talent and her firm is producing work that you might have seen previously in the National Shelter publications and digital outlets because many of the projects are in cities that do get some design love from, uh, from the National Shelter publications. Connor's work has been featured in Lux, Veranda, Aspire, The Wall Street Journal, House Beautiful, as well as featured in some of the world's best-selling design books. Unfortunately, the shelter publications usually only showcase the work and not the creative. I'm so proud of this series and my partnership with Walker Zanger, providing a detailed conversation about the work and the creative force behind it. This is The Showroom, presented by Walker Zanger, with designer Tammy Connor. Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, please do, so you get every episode automatically when they're published. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and now you can find us on designnetwork.org, a destination dedicated to podcasts, all things design and architecture. So please make sure to check it out. And when it comes to working with a partner who has your back, knows your challenges, and is there for you every step of the way. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. My name is Erica Egedenissen. I am the Director of Marketing for Walker Zanger. Thank you for joining us in the showroom with Convo by Design and Tammy Connor. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. I do ask that you, uh, if your line is not muted, that you go ahead and mute your line uh, outside of Tammy and Josh, of course. And if you do have any questions, we welcome them and ask that you use the chat feature and I can either interrupt Josh or, or he may see that question and go ahead and ask it. So with that, welcome, Josh, take it away. Perfect, Erica, thank you very much. Welcome everybody. Tammy, welcome to the showroom. Thank you. This is the showroom presented by Thermosol for Convo by Design. It is an, an interactive, in-depth conversation with amazing creatives where we tell you a little bit about how they got where they are uh, we do a little deep dive into some of their incredible design. And um, thank you for joining us. This is somewhat interactive. So as Erica mentioned, there is the chat feature down at the bottom. If you do have any questions along the way, <clears throat> please just sort of type them in. And uh, er Erica is is my co-pilot on this journey and um, loves jumping in. And I love when she does it. So she will jump in with the, with the questions that you're asking as uh, as we're talking. So Tammy, welcome to the showroom. I I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I'm excited to talk to you. I love your work. 
can we, what I'd like to do is just start with a sort of a, tell me how you got here. Tell me how you started your firm. Tell me why uh, your, your work, and we're going to get into the work in a, in a minute. And it, it says so much about you and your backstory. So sort of set the table for us, if you will. Okay. So I was the kid that, you know, rearranged her room. There were only two ways to do it. And I think I did it probably every two months <laughs> just for something new and trying and, you know, wanted the design sort of kit for Christmas. And, um, <clears throat> and then it was time to go to college. And I actually started in engineering um, and quickly within the first year thought, I don't want to design bridges. That's not pretty enough. It's interesting, but, you know, backed out in it. And I, um, and I wanted to do interior design, but I was at Wake Forest and Wake Forest has um, studio art and art history. So I started taking studio art and art history classes. And there is a girls college, Salem College um, in Winston-Salem. And the art department let me go over and fill up electives with design classes. So it was not the most traditional route, but um, I did that. And then after that, I went and got a design degree in Atlanta and worked for a firm, Gandy Peace. Bill Peace still has Peace Designs and um, got just some really, really great experience. And shortly after that, moved to Charleston, worked for about a year and naively decided at the age of about 25 that I could do this, <laughs> which I don't recommend. So it was the school of hard knocks, but I got a lot of amazing breaks along the way. And there was a lot of hard work. Um, one was the sword gate house in Charleston, which is a 20,000 square foot house. Um, it's a significant um, preserve preserved house here. And I had worked on that for a couple years and, um, and that just sort of opened the door and it was like drinking through a fire hose and, you know, sort of sink or swim. And I just paddled my heart out. So that's how it started. Um, yeah. And in, in an interesting and different way, you know, not the conventional way where you, um, you know, work under a designer for a long time and, and learn what to do and what not to do. I sort of learned things the hard way along the way, but you know, it had advantages as well. You know, it's really interesting to me because in in talking to so many designers and so many incredible designers like yourself, there isn't any one way to mm -hmm. do it. But what I found is that there really are two that are most prevalent. The first is you you do the traditional route, route where you you find a designer, you work under them, under their tutelage and you kind of learn the way. And then when you get too big for the cage, then you, you fly out on your own. Mm -hmm. And the other route is to say, you know what, I'm just going to go do this. And then there are hybrids along the way or, or variations. And I, I think yours says a lot. I love doing this because, you know, it's so interesting prior to March 13th of 2020, after seven years of doing the podcast, the number of live interviews, that I had done, you could count on one hand. But now, since then, it's been all virtual. And I'm, I consider it a blessing. I, I really do, because it has given me an opportunity to speak with people like you. And, and I, mm -hmm. I don't say that lightly. You're in South Carolina. Right. I think, and you have an office in Alabama. Right. In, Bur in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. I, I the number of design designers that I've spoken with or the, the, the conversation of design, you know, in the Atlanta, South Carolina, in the South has, mm -hmm. has, is few and far between. I don't think the, the conversation really takes place enough. I wanted to ask you about the storytelling and the story yeah. that you're telling about the South, about traditional design, traditional Southern ideas, imbued into your design, the work, your inspiration, because your inspiration that you get from the South and your background is all part of what makes this tableau that you've created so unique. Right. Well, I think um, 
you know, a big part of our work is lifestyle and, um, and what lifestyle the client wants to have in their home. And just being from the South, you know, I think that that sort of gets incorporated a little bit into our work. Even, you know, we've got a project in Philadelphia right now. We have one in Connecticut. We, we do work sort of up and down the East coast. Um, but I think, you know, just the, the hospitality, the indoor outdoor living aspect of it. Um, are you still there? I think we lost him, Leah. You are still there. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, I had to pop up on my computer. So I think that, um, you know, just that lifestyle where it's a little bit more relaxed and casual, yet can be formal. It's sort of the yin and yang. I think that the South has, especially Charleston. Charleston, I say, has sort of a grit and grace combo to it, which I love. You know, I mean, you literally... When the tide goes out here, we have something called pluff mud and it's, it's, you know, what's not sand. It's literally like mucky, dark brown and, and it smells like sulfur. And um, we moved back to Charleston about four years ago and my children were like, oh my God, that's disgusting. You know, what is that smell? And I said, I'm going to give you a year or two and you're going to all of a sudden love it because it means that you're in Charleston in the low country and you're going to love being here. So you know, it's got sort of that yin and yang to it, yet you've got homes and um, event spaces that were built in the 18th century and are grand with beautiful plaster detailing. And, you know, so you can go from the boat with pluff mud all around you in the day to a formal ball with about as beautiful of a space that, you know, we have to offer in this country. So there's just something about that combo that really... Um, is magnetic for me. And, and I try and bring that sort of feel into my interiors and, and we get a lot. And I love when we hear this feedback is, you know, you can tell that a lot of thought went into it. There's a lot of detailing. You can tell that you're in the presence of high quality and fine things, but you're feel comfortable and it's inviting and you can take off your shoes and, you know, sort of, for it to unfold and for you to enjoy it as you're in the space and it's not intimidating. So I, I do think that there is a parallel to that with, um, you know, where I live on a daily basis. So sort of picking up on the pluff mud, I've never, I've never said those two words together. Uh -huh. And so it's, a, it's a, I, I love that. I love that idea. And what it reminds me of, and I, I wanted to ask you about this is in, in that storytelling, in, in that feel, in that, you know, articulation of the South. Talk to me about indigenous materials. Talk to me about yeah. how, where you are allows you to incorporate the, the materials where you are, stone, um, all of the, all of those, those materials that you're working mm -hmm. into your design and how that affects your story or your yeah. storytelling. Um, well, I would say just in general, um, natural materials, we <clears throat> use, many more natural materials um, than synthetics. And a lot of that for me is we also use a lot more texture, I would say, than pattern. Um, and it's just the texture of those natural materials and how they come naturally. So, you know, linen, stone, I mean, even some steel with the windows, um, I mean, cottons, hemps, breathable fabrics, but that are woven in a very heavily textured way. Um, stone's great here because it's hot, <laughs> really hot in the summer. Um, so we like to use, you know, a lot of stone and, and slabs, but, but again, any kind of um, natural texture that we can get out of a natural material definitely appeals to us. Is there a, are there any local quarries any any natural stone that that you you source locally in particular not really in south carolina in georgia there is um it's white marble in georgia we get um crab orchard out of tennessee um which is like a flagstone um so nearby 
but South Carolina is very, at least where we are, is very sandy. I mean, we're, we're basically underwater here. Charleston, parts of it are below sea level, which is why when it's a high tide and a full moon, the downtown floods, we become Venice a few times a year. Oh, is that right? It is. It is. It's unbelievable. And throw a hurricane in and we're in trouble. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, um, it, it's, it's a weird question, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, being in Southern California, where so yes. much has gone into um, designing for earthquakes, fires, floods, mm-hmm. um, anywhere you are in the world now, um, just like after the pandemic of 1918, where, where there were certain things that came into certain elements of design um, that really changed the, the manner in which uh, design was, was crafted and implemented. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how those conditions affect the way that you design um, d- does it does it affect the aesthetic? Does it affect how you put things together? Does it affect the materials you use? Do you design for that? It's almost that designing for disaster idea. Mm-hmm. Do you incorporate that into your work and how? That's really more um, on the architectural end. And when we work with the architect, we work really we work very carefully with our builders and architects and landscape architects and clients um, in a collaborative team like way from the very beginning of the project. But we're working on a project right now, for example, on Kiowa Island, and um, it's poured concrete. So, and there's pilings that go 70 feet down into the ground, like like dozens and dozens of pilings. So, I mean, I, I, it wouldn't be funny, but if a hurricane came, I mean, that house would be in the ocean and standing. So, yes, um, we do. And, you know, there's codes here now that if you're renovating a house and you put in more than half of the value of the house into the renovation, you have to raise it up to um, FEMA's flood standards. So what's happening here in downtown Charleston, and I think we'll see that continuing to happen, is houses downtown are now being elevated about 10, 12 feet off of the ground, which we'll see how it goes. But I think we're going to have a few decades where it's a little bit dicey down there where we have sort of some, some ups and downs. But we, um, not this past fall, but the three previous falls had hurricane scares and big floods. And so there were many houses downtown that their basement, which is when I say basement, we don't really have basements and um, gardens were completely flooded and a lot of the HVAC systems and everything are down there so for three years in a row these homeowners were replacing their entire HVAC units and their garden so after three years of that they're they're like forget it you know let's let's either move to higher ground or raise the house so we're starting to see that happen um, a lot here and if it's new construction, then it automatically has to meet that code, depending on what flood zone you're in. Well, I think you bring up a really interesting point, because one of the things that you first said when we were talking about, you know, your design style is to really use the use the the outdoor presence to bring indoors and have that inside outside design. And I, I got to imagine that this creates an incredible challenge for you. Mm-hmm. That being said, how do you approach outdoor hardscapes, outdoor Mm -hmm. kitchens, pools, Mm -hmm. usable space. How do you, how do you approach that? Well, two thoughts come to mind. One, one of the nice things about the um, historic homes in Charleston, which we do a lot of work on is the piazzas, which are what we call the side porch. And um, they were normally are originally built because when these houses were built, there was no air conditioning. And so it allowed for the breeze to come off of the water. So a lot of these houses have double piazzas on them, which become outdoor living spaces and then screen doors that go into the indoor living spaces. So you can open that up and you automatically have an indoor outdoor connection. Um, But we do a lot of, you know, outdoor living rooms, areas where it's outdoor kitchens, Um, and it's just about the flow 
you know, and incorporating it as if it's another room in the house, but having access to it. So we'll use um, a door called a nano door and there'll be sliding doors that bifold on top of each other. And so when they're closed, it's all windows. And when they're open, you have an entire wall that opens out to say a porch. And then the porch could also have motorized screens. So it could be a completely open air porch, but we can, we also often will recess motorized screens in the headers of the porch. So you flip a switch and all of a sudden you've got a screen porch that's open to your den and the den becomes an indoor outdoor screen room. So a lot of flexibility with that. And then from an aesthetic standpoint, I would say, um, one thing that's really important to us in our work and when we're working with the client is if we have a project and a site where the, the client's there for the location. So say it's a beach house or a mountain house or, you know, something with a view, we oftentimes will incorporate the natural color scheme of that setting into the interior so that you've got sort of that fluid blend and your eye doesn't jump from one thing to the next. It, I've found that it really allows that exterior view to be incorporated into the interior and it feels a little bit more seamless. And that's usually, you know, why the client is in that location to begin with. So we try and embrace that with the interior scheme. Love that. And, and with that, I think this is a really good time to one of the, one of the things that I absolutely love about doing, uh, doing this is mm-hmm. we've asked you for images and, you know, in the past hosting a podcast images is, has always been kind of like the, the kiss of death, but <laughs> because it's very hard to tell a story, a visual story in an audio format. But I think we've solved for that over the years, and I'm excited about this. And by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, and, and I'm saying this while everyone's watching, because this will be a podcast episode on Combo by Design, we'll publish mm-hmm. it to that. And if you are listening to the podcast, we will have links in the show notes for you to go and look at the images that we're talking about. So then we can, we can sort of, you can follow along in real time. With that, we're going to start showing uh, some of your work, and we're going to walk through it. And you're going to you're going to walk us through it, if you would. We're going to start with this Atlanta estate. Okay. So wh- where is this, <clears throat> and what when when was this when was this project completed? So this is a home that's in Buckhead area of Atlanta, and we um, did this project. This is a Philip Schutze house, who is a significant classical architect in Atlanta in the early 1900s. And we did a full renovation and addition on this house with Stan Dixon Architects out of Atlanta. Um, This was probably completed around five years ago. Um, So it's, it's a neat house. It's for a family with three daughters and lots of dogs. And they, um, are both of the, the wife is Italian and the husband is um, Greek. And they came with a lot of family pieces, which was really fun. Some really great, unusual things um, that we were able to incorporate um, into the house. So this is her office. This is a Benison fabric and it's upholstered walls and really quiet. And so one side of this room is, um, where you can see, you can see out to the driveway. And then the other side um, is there's a hall with glass doors and beyond the hall, it's like a gallery hall with glass doors looking out to the pool. So she has a vantage point and sort of a, you know, a cockpit view of what's going on around the house with, with three little kids. In addition, hey, Erica, could you do me a favor and go back to that one slide for just a moment? One of the things that, that I, I think you did beautifully and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but with padded walls in this environment with an mm-hmm. office, you know, we've only learned over the last mm-hmm. 10, 11 months how important having a nice quiet place to work is. Mm-hmm. That element of the padded walls under, under fabric also serves in addition to it being absolutely beautiful and textural, like you had mentioned at the, at the start of this, um, you also get that added benefit of noise baffling. Was that an intentional 
Definitely. Idea. And we okay. do that a lot, actually, Josh. In our, we do it in bedrooms a lot. The master bedroom in this house has got um, the walls are upholstered as well. I don't know if we'll have that slide, but um, in bedrooms, it's so nice. It just really quiet. It's, it, it feels like you're in a cocoon. Yeah, no, I love that. Okay, Erica, moving on. I, I see this. Okay, is this fun for you? First of all, having, you know, looking at this wall and seeing all the pictures, I'm trying, I, I view this as like putting together a giant puzzle. And, I, and I'm curious if you enjoy the process. <laughs> and then the next thing I wanted to, to move to is that floor. It is absolutely stunning. And I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you about that as well. So the gallery wall, this has a story to it. A lot of this house has a story to it. So these are drawings from the 17th century from Italian masters. And her mother had a collection and it was beautiful. And it, they were framed, they were about eight to 10 framed together, matted together in very large frames. And they had a house, um, a villa in Italy and we actually went over there and I was sort of given full access to whatever we wanted to bring back, but which was amazing, but the scale didn't translate as well because this is a villa that has, you know, 25 foot ceilings in it and talk about stone, all marble. And so <clears throat> some of the things we had to adjust a little bit. So this was one of them. I fell in love with these. So we took them out of their beautiful, um, large frames, which was a little bit painful, <laughs> but we did it. And we individually framed every one of these. So each one of them, the frame was selected. A lot of them have custom fabric mats on them. Every one of these pieces was de designed in individually on how they were going to be framed. Then what we did is we created a brown paper, like a craft paper template of the wall. So we hung a big craft paper template. We marked where the stairs came down, where the windows were, and we laid, cause this is a, this goes all the way around the second floor as well. So then we laid one half in the living room and the other half in the dining room, and then just started the puzzle pieces of the pieces of art and how they would all go together. And it took probably all day. <laughs> I mean, it was a long process. And then we drew on the, um, we numbered the piece. We numbered the, the outline of it on the paper. We hung the paper back up. We hung the pieces on top of the paper, exactly where we had them. And then once all the pieces were hung on the paper, we slowly from behind the pieces. So it was a two day process. And um, in hindsight, it was fun while I was doing it. It was a nightmare, but it, I mean, I think it was worth it. On the floor, that floor actually was a pattern that Shetzi had originally designed um, for this entry hall. And Stan, the architect went to the Atlanta History Center and found the original drawings that they had never, it had never been executed. It was just a wood floor just a, you know, a hardwood floor. And when he found that, we thought, well, we have to do this now. It's so beautiful. And so we picked a few stones. Please don't ask me which ones they were. I cannot remember. But um, <laughs> okay. two tones of gray and then white marble. Um, and we, we put it in. So we put in what his original design was for that house. Beautifully done. Thank you. So to me, this is sort of the I I see the the quintessential southern southern charm, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and and again, I I pick up on the on the the pictures because you know there is such art and artistry to put to hanging pictures, um, and and these are obviously meaningful. And in in another home, there might be a TV above the mantle, but not in mm -hmm. this one. Mm -hmm. So this room has a big story too. Um, her mother, our client's mother, in sort of the second half of her life became very, they were always been a big dog family, but she started to raise Scotty dogs and show Scotty dogs. So a lot of our clients 
sort of adolescence was going to dog shows, which she's got some really funny stories about. And so the piece above the mantle is actually a piece by modern artist um, Banksy. And I don't know if you know anything about Banksy, but he is an anonymous artist and he's done, if, if you all don't know Banksy, look him up. I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing. His pieces go for a lot now. I think part of it is because he's just unknown and has be able, he's been able to stay anonymous. But that piece is like a Renaissance painting of a woman and her, you know, form of boudoir, which is how her mother's life started for her first half. And there's a pop-up, like you would see an old pop-up on a computer screen message in the center of that painting. And it says, a system error has occurred. And so that painting really spoke to our client. She's like, we have to do something with this painting. And I was like, this is so much a part of your story. Like it's too small for over the mantle, but it has so much emotional weight and importance to it. We're hanging it there anyway. And then what we proceeded to do is hang dog pictures and portraits. We plastered the room in dog pictures and portraits. So you literally have like, you can't see it in this picture, but behind the green hydrangeas where that white matted frame is, that's a, a Picasso of a dog. And then right next to it, you have a $150 mutt that we literally found like in a, in a market. And we were just like, forget it. I mean, anything goes, we're just doing it, you know? And, and again, I think that brings up that yin yang thing that I love so much. It's that tug and pull where you've got something really formal, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. That makes it interesting and a story and inviting and not intimidating. Uh, beautifully done. Beautifully done. Thank you. Okay. So now we find our way into uh, the, the heart of the home. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. You've, you've taken some modern, you've taken some traditional, mm -hmm. you've, you've added something amazing to the floor. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, I, there's so much to see here. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the backsplash is stunning. Um, take me through this. So again, I think this is an example of using some natural materials that maybe normally wouldn't you wouldn't automatically think would go together um, with this old pine center table that sort of anchors the space. Um, and then you've got the marble slabs that are the full backsplash, the integrated marble sink. There's another sink that is just to the right of this frame that uh, is a silver sink the sink is made of silver and it's, it's beautiful. And then we've got that leather door, um, which swings into the dining room. Um, that's the dining rooms off to the left and the pocketed doors of the shutters above the main sink that looks into the, um, kids sort of den area. And that we added into this space. That was just a solid wall. And we really wanted to make that connection, family connection between the kitchen and the, the small TV den right there. So we opened that up, which also allowed light to pour into the space and, and was just ended up being successful. So, Hey, Tammy, can you tell me about your relationship with your fabricator. And, you know, when I look at a kitchen like this and I'm looking mm -hmm. at that sink and I'm looking at the backsplash and I'm looking at mm -hmm. sort of this cohesive, um, seamless, I mean, I don't, we don't have close-ups, right? But it looks, right. it looks seamless. It looks like it's supposed to be there. It looks like it's been there forever. We do a lot of detailed drawings. Um, for example, you know, the height of that sill where the shutters are is just where the backsplash dies into the bottom of the sill. So if that was a window, we would look at that. A lot of times for powder rooms, we'll do, you know, sort of a shaped edge or we'll add a, um, a small shelf on in bathrooms. Often, I love this detail and we may run into one along the way, but um, where we have a taller backsplash, maybe a six inch backsplash, sometimes higher. Um, 
in a bathroom on a vanity and then we extend a three inch stone shelf and then bracket it down to the countertop. And it's just comes in really, really handy for all those little things that you want to have out. Um, but we work really closely with um, our fabricators with drawings and making sure that the detailing coordinates with the cabinets and um, or any window packages or, you know, doors that we have that are adjacent and how those interactions uh, work together. It's, it's definitely important. And it's something that you don't really notice unless it's wrong. And then it's just glaring. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this. I, again, you're, you found a way to incorporate a story mm-hmm. in, into these two spaces. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's you know as I look at this, I'll be I'll be honest with you and tell you that I, I have a hard time figuring out what was there originally versus what you you came in and you put together. Um, mm-hmm. Was was that a, the one the one that we're looking at? I mean, were these originally was that an originally a bathroom? No, um, the bathroom on the the left image um, is her bathroom in the master. And okay. actually that whole second floor was reconfigured. Um, but the piece of furniture came out of the house in Italy. And <clears throat> again, a little bit of angst to cut a hole in that beautiful antique. But I thought, you know, it can sit here and no one will use it or it can become a part of her life every day. And, you know, it's got family memories attached to it. And so when you think about it like that, it to me is a no brainer and just it's a thing. So we brought it over, added the marble top and sink to it. And then instead of putting traditional sconces, which you would expect, we wanted it to feel a little bit more furniture like a little less utilitarian. And so we just we use lamps and, you know, put receptacles up high so you don't have the cords and um and make it just a very inviting space that, you know, hopefully she feels good in. But all of that is actually new, new design with old pieces. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, and again, I think this goes back to that one issue that we talked about, about really trusting your fabricators. Um, Absolutely. And the, the amount of angst and, and how nervous you were, I, I, I think, you know, do you, do you have a longstanding relationship with your fabricators? Do you use the same people over and over? Do you have a, do you have a few that you go to? In the South, we have one that we use a lot. Um, But since our projects are everywhere, we really rely on the builders um, that we work with, which we have been really fortunate to work with some excellent builders. And and I can tell from the drawings that come back if, um, you know, if they're up to the standards that we're used to, but, and we're in, and just work through the detailing with them. So yes, in the South, but we end up working with a lot of different fabricators because the projects are in different places and we have to trust, you know, our builders or the architects if they're there. A lot of times the architects aren't where the project um, is either. We both travel in, but, um, but the builder almost always is. I, one thing I just wanted to point out, and then we can move on to the to the next images, is with that bathroom on the on the left. I I, I really do admire the way that you approached the lighting. So you have the mirror there, which blends obviously with with that table, which is now the sink. But you're getting mm-hmm. the lighting from the window, so you're getting the reflection into the mirror. And then I I, I don't know if you if you re- resisted the urge to do in-wall lighting or overhead lighting, but I, I imagine that those two lamps, because they're at, they're at face height, um, probably give you perfect side lighting uh, for, this, for this environment. They do, they do. They, it's just really pretty light. She also has a dressing room that has a makeup vanity spot where she does her makeup if she needs, you know, really good, good lighting for that. So this is, um, it's well illuminated, but it's softer light. And we didn't need to have any harsh overhead lighting in here because she was able to have another spot for that. Yeah, love it. And and, and again, that table, just exquisite. I, I think that was Thank masterfully you. done. So speaking of outdoors, mm-hmm. um, okay, wow. 
That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Welcome to the South. This is what we get. Yeah. I mean, this is why, you know, we get big houses and a lot of outdoor space. I know. So it's pretty nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of different areas. There's a table under that arbor. That arbor is now fully grown in and there's jasmine, you know, all over it. We've got a candle lantern hanging down. So they have dinners out there. The space, the wing to the left is um, the pool house, which you probably have an image of. It's an interesting space. So, yeah, everything sort of em embraces that indoor outdoor connection and it allows for a lot of great light inside the house which we love yeah and i love i love the windows and again just just we can move on but just noticing the dogs uh carried mm -hmm. from the, the right. inside out <laughs> dogs everywhere love it so, so this is from the new york apartment yeah from from the south uh to a a, a urban environment um, yes. This is Central Park, New York City. Uh, mm -hmm. How does how does your how does your design thinking change when you go from one location like the South in Atlanta to a high rise in New York City? Mm -hmm. We we start well. We start with the architecture. You know, whether regardless of where it is, um, we look at the architecture and try and design to the architecture. We don't ever want our interiors to not um, mesh well with the architecture. Um, and then we look at the setting of where, where the um, project is. And then we look at the lifestyle. And honestly, in every project we do, that the lifestyle of the clients and how they're gonna use the space and you know what's gonna make it functional for them. And those are the three factors that drive the direction of the design. So, and then we just take what we know about good design and try and, you know, squeeze it through the toothpaste tube um, to create something that works with those three um, goals in mind. I just want to mention that if I'm not mistaken, this project uh, has, has won the, won the ICAA uh, both shoots and uh, Stanford White Award, correct? correct. Yeah, yes. amazing. And it was also featured in Veranda. Correct. Yeah. So love this. This is, you know, this particular kitchen, when I when I first saw this, it it, it kind of, it's so livable. Mm -hmm. It's so comfortable. If you saw this without seeing the window outside, you you might think that you were in the South. You would not mm -hmm. necessarily think you were you were in New York City. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, we try and, and like I said, regardless of the location, I love the idea that you walk into our spaces and you know that a lot of thought and creativity has been poured into it, but that it feels inviting and comfortable and not over the top or unapproachable, even though we've got this amazing property that we're working on in this amazing spot, you know, the client wanted it to feel like a home for their family. And so I'm glad that it, it comes off like that. Tell me about the countertops and backsplash. So those are Calcutta gold, Italian marble. Um, and we, we love it just because it's clean and timeless. And, you know, it's funny, we get clients a lot of times saying, well, doesn't it stain or doesn't it? I said, yeah, but if you go to Italy, there's statuary gray literally all over it. And that just becomes, for me, part of the patina. I mean, it's not going to turn, you know, purple on you. It's going to, it's going to darken a little bit in spots. And um, so we use a lot of, a lot of white marble. Two questions as it relates to this. Mm -hmm. The first is, I would love to know what it's like going and examining slabs with you, what mm -hmm. you look for, how you look mm -hmm. at the veining, sort of the things that you look for. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of that is I would like you uh, sort of elaborate on that opinion a little bit. I, I think um, when it comes to, to marble, you know, in certain situations, you know, you do hear it's, and it's going to stain, you're going to spill red wine on it. You're good. Mm -hmm. It's going to stain. It's going to get old. You're going to see things, but that patina, um, 
do you design, do you counter design for that so that the design will, will accentuate the patina as that patina develops over time? I don't really think about that actively. I just think, you know, some things to me, I love patina on things. So I just embrace the idea that it may do that. Um, but in terms of what we look for <clears throat> with the marble and slabs, <clears throat> this actually, as I'm looking at it, that is a marble tile in the back. So it's not a solid slab. And if it was a solid slab, typically if it's a solid slab, I will go heavier. I like for the background of the white marble, at least to be very clean and crisp and white and not <clears throat> fuzzy or gray. And then some, you know, some stones have that more naturally than others. Like Carrera is much sort of a, I call it fuzzier. Um, Alabama white, same thing. Statuary in Calcutta, in my experience, you get a stronger vein to and a more white background. And I like the contrast of that. The only time that <clears throat> I pull back from that, it also gives you a little more drama is when you've got, you're using tile, because just imagine if each one of those tiles, you know, it's, you don't get like the consistent pattern of the vein where it's sort of sculptural, you have it with each tile. And so then it becomes really, really busy. <clears throat> so if we're using a marble tile, we'll often use something that's a little bit quieter overall. And if we're using a slab, we'll also, we'll often use something that's got more of an intense sort of vein to it. Interesting. Very nice. Okay. So small, I, I love, love, love small spaces because mm -hmm. I feel, I feel like a small space will test a designer like, like nothing else. Mm -hmm. And I love to see what designers can do with a small space. And this is, this is just amazing. Was, mm -hmm. What did you have to work with and how'd you come up with this? So this is, <clears throat> this is back in that Atlanta Shutzi house. And this was an interior powder room. The powder room was a, basically this shape. I don't think we changed the footprint of it at all. Um, Stan had the idea because there's a small vestibule on the other side of that window. It's not actually the exterior. It is a vestibule to the exterior with glass doors to try and bring some light into the space because it was trapped. And so we came up with the idea of doing the round window and we had a custom glass piece blown that looks like the bottom of a Coca-Cola, old Coca-Cola bottle. It's that green color. And the client and I were talking about trying to use some hand dyed Italian papers and she was going to Italy for summer. And I said, why don't you just pick like five of your papers and bring them back and just look at them and see what we can do. And so she brought back five and this one I loved. It was like this acidy green combo. It was just really great. And so I thought, why don't we just like old, you know, tea paper, wallpaper the walls in these sheets of paper. So I worked with the installer and we, we literally like hand place where each of these were going to be and where their joints were going to be and where they were going to overlap. And then what you see that is red is we took her family's Italian crest and had wax seals made with her family's crest on it and punctuated some of the sort of joints of where these this paper overlays each other. So just off the wall, quirky, why not, has a story and meaning and just kind of weird. <laughs> I love that question for you because mm -hmm. I have never seen that before. How does the wax hold over time? It's been fine. I mean, five years, it's been fine. Wow, that's amazing. Very yeah. cool. We're back in New York City. Obviously, we're out of Atlanta. Yep. <laughs> that that yep. view is My that bad. view is no, no worries. No, no. It, well, you know what's interesting is I I actually really like it. Those two things juxtaposed against each other. And I was going to mm -hmm. ask you about this because you've got that that bathroom with the with the walls, and then we come to <clears> this <throat> image, and 
you've almost got something extraordinarily similar in the canopy over Central Park. Yeah. This room, um, the inspiration for this room was actually, we were up there one day on a site visit and there was snow in the park. And I mean, I love seeing the green, but when that park is covered in snow, this room is like just sort of winter wonderland. So it has a silk grass combo wallpaper on it, you know, just a lot of natural textures. It feels very sort of cocoonish, um, layered different fabrics and textiles and, you know, a looseness to it, but still a fineness to it. But really the idea was to get that park view inside. And I mean, it's kind of hard to not have your eye go. I mean, you literally walk in the front door of this apartment. You don't even see anything. You go straight to the windows. I mean, it's just, it's spectacular. But in the winter, that view is just one with that bedroom. And it's, it's really special. Love it. Beautiful. Okay. So which, where are we now? Um, is this the Kiwa? Kiwa? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I love this south. back down south. So, okay. So this was in, this was covered in Lux magazine and this was mm -hmm. a uh, collaboration with Robert A.M. Stern architects, uh, Roger Seifert. I just had Roger and the other three Beatles of architecture uh, and Robert A.M. <laughs> Stern uh, on the I'm show. I'm going to call them that. I like it. <laughs> I love it. And, That's so um, good. I love, I love, love, love this. Uh, so what was, do you remember your thought when you first saw this? Um, what was the first idea that, or the first thought that came to your mind about how you were going to approach this? Well, this house, this house is actually, they do have a new book out called houses and the house yep. is on the cover of that book. This is the, this is the pool house wing of that house. So, um, and it's an addition. So when we first looked at the house, they had done this house about 20 years ago and, um, and they were, and the client, they had, our client had just purchased it, but Ramza had designed the house 20 years ago. So they pulled Ramza in for the renovation and addition. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. It's beachfront. It's on three lots. It's, truly an indoor outdoor space the client really wanted um the ocean to come in and for the scheme to be a retreat and peaceful and serene and and so that's what we were aiming for um you've got one of those nano doors i was describing there um behind those two central columns it closes up and that's an indoor um, loggia sort of TV room and then it opens up and you've got you know the connection to the pool and the ocean beyond so it's pretty special it's it's pretty great and this is the living room of that house um, the art I wish I could remember the artist's name it came out of Spalding Nick's gallery in Atlanta but um, those are plaster topography. So when you get up close, they're about three inches deep, deep, and they're they're topographical. He's done it off of topography, so there's a lot of texture in it. It's really neat. It feel, it reads a little flatter um, in the image, but it's great. And then those glass sconces came from Australia, and we just love sort of popping that color in. But you can see a lot of natural materials again, not a lot of pattern a lot of layered textures, um, you know, it keeps things quiet and it also allows the shape when you don't have a lot of pattern it allows the shape of your furniture to stand out more. Speaking of, speaking of shape, sorry, Erica, if you could go back for just one second, speaking of shape, I just want to point out that, that light fixture, which, you know, mm -hmm. you, you have this, this modern element and traditional idea blended into this into this space yet it's not it's not overpowering at all it lets the mm -hmm. rest of the design speak for itself yeah yeah I think it's nice to it sort of throws it off of the rocker a little bit you know it keeps tradition yeah. not not dusty tradition it keeps it fresh yep love it
I love, you know what it's, you know, it's fun for me is, and I'm sure everyone else who's watching this, hopefully you guys are enjoying this as well, is when the, when the new picture comes up, there's, there's just that moment of silence. Where you just, you just got to let it, let it wash over you a little bit and take it all in. Um, and again, constant themes, the, the artwork is, is ever present. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not overpowering. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like that is something that is definitely intentional for you in, in your, in your process, especially as it relates, it's very textural um, mm -hmm. and not overpowering. It just sort of works with the, with the rest of the room. Mm -hmm. Our art too. I mean, I think you hit on something. We often bring a little bit more of a contemporary twist into our spaces because we deal with a lot of um, traditional classical architecture, which I love. Um, but a way to sort of lighten that is through the art and the light fixtures in a more contemporary way. So you'll often see, um, you know, those elements a little bit more contemporary in our spaces. It's interesting uh, as well at Wake, you know, you have, you have a degree in studio art and mm -hmm. art history from Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. And I, I can definitely tell, I feel strongly mm -hmm. that art is a big part of, of your, of your design. Is mm -hmm. that because there is a certain level of confidence that you have because of your, your, your education in art and art history? Do you feel more comfortable working with it? Yes and no. I mean, it, um, it's funny that you bring that up because yeah, I work with a client, um, and we had an art consultant that was working with us and it was fantastic. Um, but, you know, we were looking at some very significant pieces and the client, you know, looks to me and she's like, you know, what do you think? And I'm thinking that's a house for somebody. <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm not qualified to say that. You know, I think what, what I do feel confident in is that I have a trained eye you know, and, and I've, I've learned to trust my eye. And, you know, I like to say you have to know the rules to break the rules successfully. And so I think at this point in my career, I feel confident in that. And I didn't always. Um, but I feel like I've seen enough and my eyes trained and I know, I know easily what will work. How do you push that envelope a little bit to make it interesting and unique? But when it comes to, you know, significant, and I mean, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of a piece of art, I definitely want to, I, I don't feel comfortable saying, yeah, do that. It's a great investment. I can say, I think that's fantastic. And it's going to, I know it will look great, but I like to bring a, a professional in um, when it comes to those pieces. So as we're, as we're kind of running low on time here. I, Erica, sorry, would you go back for one quick second? Um, what I'd like everyone to do is just sort of take that mental snapshot of these two images in your mind, right? Specifically the one on the right. And we can move on to the next one. But as we move on to the next one, Tammy, I, I want to know your opinion on accessorizing. Because one of the things mm -hmm. that I've noticed in all of your work, this, this image included, is you, you do a great deal of accessorizing in your spaces. Um, I know how much edit goes into the work of great designers. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you're juxtaposing smalls with a, you know, a, a, an art collection in many cases, or in this, mm -hmm. you know, in this last case, one piece that's really taking, that's really powerful, but then the smalls also kind of accentuate the whole mm -hmm. room. And I'm curious, if, what your approach is to, to accessorizing, because I feel like accessorizing is an art form all by itself. Absolutely. I, I mean, we take a layered approach, you know, especially when you have this house, while very large, it's more human scale than some of the projects we work on. But if you get a massive space, it really will just drink up the layers. And unless you have sort of that, small mixed with large and smaller vignettes, then it's going to feel cold and sterile. So here you see, you know, throw blankets so you can curl up. A lot of the accessories are natural. I mean, look at all the sort of natural plants. Well, these are also 
plants that you would see, I think actually most of them we took from outside and brought them in, you know, so again, it reinforces that indoor outdoor connection books. I I love books. I mean, you can look behind me. (laughs) I mean, I love books. Um, I mean, I put stacks of books on the floor in my house, but um, so yeah, I mean, it just makes it a little bit more personal and approachable, but we also are really careful not to overdo it. Um, Depending on the space, you know, if it needs to feel more gallery like, then I would say there would be fewer pieces. And then the ones that are in there feel more important or the more formal space. When it's a more casual space, we tend to accessorize a little bit more like this. Beautiful. Uh, Erica, perfect. So I feel like I am cognizant of everyone's time and uh, we're up against the hour. Before I go, I wanted, I was hoping we'd get to the kitchen. Um, I love kitchens and especially in this house, I wanted to showcase it. I wanted to, let's cover this one and then, um, and then we can, we can wrap after this. Uh, If you just sort of walk us through the, this, it just looks so comfortable. Yeah. So um, this kitchen is actually open to the room you just saw. So this is actually one large space. So it's great. This has become sort of the heart of the home as so many kitchens do. Um, We have a stone on the perimeter in that dark gray color. And then the center island is a French white oak. Um, A lot of times we'll put oak on islands where you have bar stools simply because you know if you're leaning up against it and your arms are on it it's just for me a little bit more comfortable to not have a cold surface um now if it was a more formal house it would be different i would prefer stone but um and then we have a hand-done ceramic tile as the backsplash that's a la canache range with a custom hood um with the dark gray enamel to match and um some urban electric pendant fixtures and Conrad lines. And, and again, the color scheme is just really simple and quiet because outside of those windows is the ocean. And that's really what you want for me to become the star of the show. Love it. Beautifully done. Um, couple of things. First of all, Tammy, thank you very much mm. uh, for your time. Here's what I'd like to do if possible. First of all, I, I, I want to be cognizant of everyone's time. Thank you all so much for joining us today on the showroom uh, combo, combo by Design presented by Walker Zanger. Um, Tammy Connor, you, your work, uh, your time, so appreciative. Oh, Again, I just, I just, I just want to point out that if anyone wants to go listen to this again, we will be making a podcast episode of this so that you can listen again. We'll be putting the video on YouTube so you can watch it again. And I, if you'll indulge me for just one second, um, a, a really important question came in at the end from Gamut uh, who asked, and I just wanted to know if you could just spend the last couple of minutes we have just sort of addressing it is, it's just so important. What advice do you have for aspiring designers? Thank you for the question, Gamut. And, and Tammy, if you, if you could just sort of a, a little bit of insight. Can I say run? I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I, I actually love, um, I love what I do. I mean, there's days that I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, there's a lot of hold, hand holding. I say you, um, we wear a lot of hats. Some days we're a cheerleader, we're a firefighter, we're a marriage counselor and then designers in there somewhere. Um, I would say, you know, I think good design is, um, a combo of a few things. One, you know, educating yourself, you know, getting for me, you know, I look backwards to look forward. Um, so a historical perspective and, and I wish I had more time cause it's, it's endless and there's a lot that I still don't know, you know, but just educating yourself on, um, what good design is, what good architecture is. I mean, landscape architecture. I mean, it all intertwines, um, together. So definitely that. And then secondly, is to follow sort of what your gut is and not what everybody else is doing, because you can look to them to inspiration. But what makes it different is 
just trusting your eye, you know, educate yourself, get out, see as much as you can get exposure to as much as you can drink it up and then trust your eye and don't, um, don't follow. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of followers out there and you can sort of pick up on that. And it's one of the things I think I love so much about doing work all over the place is there's different vernaculars in different places. And I get to learn about that and then use what I know and merge that together. You know, I would, I would probably go crazy if I just did houses, you know, in two neighborhoods because then everybody wants their house to look like the next person's house. Well, that's, that's really not what it's about. I mean, when they come to you, they come to you because of how you put things together. I had um, Barry Dixon one time told me because we were talking about, this was probably five to 10 years ago, how the value of a designer has changed, you know, in the, in the before a lot of what a designer brought to the table was access to items. You know, they had inside access to these things. Well, that's changed now because there's the internet and most people have access and you'll even have clients that, you know, question, you know, you because they've done their own research. Well, so that's not what we're bringing to the table. Our real value at this point is how we combine things. And so what Barry said, he was like, you know, he's like, you could go to three different plastic surgeons with the same training, but you're going to get a different face. (laughs) And I thought that is so good, you know, or three different bakers with the same ingredients, but you're going to get a different cake. So, you know, people are coming to you for what you have and just trust in that and, um, and follow that passion and, and, and don't, we, we've got enough followers around. So lead. That is brilliant. And if I could say anything to that, I would just say um, resist the urge to, to be an influencer instead, be an original. Um, like Tammy Connor. Tammy, oh. um, thank you so much for this. Um, thank, thank you for joining you. us. Thank, thank you, Walker Zanger, Erica, Erica, thank you so much for everything. Um, and thank you all for joining us. Um, much appreciated. Be well and uh, have Bye a great everyone. day. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your partnership. And thank you for listening. Without you, there is no joy in doing this for me you are greatly appreciated. My hope is to bring you inspiration and sublime design through these conversations, to give you that extra push to be the most creative designer you can be. I hope we did that here. I think so anyway. Please make sure you are subscribing to the show so you don't miss a single episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X and ConvoByDesign.com. Be well, and remember to take today first. (laughs) 